I, um, I had the uh, opportunity, um, hasn't, doesn't help happen very often in my life, but this past week has been that week when one of your children graduate from school, some of us have experienced that, and, and, and when it's your final child, um, it's, a, it's a great day, it's a good thing, and, and uh, Lydia graduated, um, she's not here now because she's enjoying some time in Ely Beach, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Um, right now, at a scripture union camp. But um, this week, they had their, uh, her school had awards night. Remember those awards night? Who goes to, a, you know, if you're a grandparent, you go to awards night. If you're a parent, you can go to awards night. If you haven't been to one, I should have invited you to this one. It was a good one. And, um, and you know, a lot of uh, young people received awards. And uh, as a parent, I saw Lydia receive a couple of awards. Uh, and... Um, you know, when they receive those awards, you just feel like it's part of that award is, as a parent is yours. Because <laughs> you put so much effort and time to help them get to that point. You know what I'm talking about. So, you know, kinda, you kind of feel, um, well, when no one comes up and kind of says, well done, you got that award, you know, you kind of feel like they should. Um, but um, it didn't happen that way. But that's fine. It's fine. But it's, you know, when your child wins and you're proud of them, you win. And it's like you're, winning, you're standing in that winner's circle. Do you know when your team has won, if you've you know, ever played a, a team sport and your team wins the grand final and you all stand together and, and uh, you cheer and you're excited, it's like you're in the winner's circle, isn't it? You ever seen those Formula One drivers? They, they win the race. I don't watch Formula One racing too much. Some people... Um, enjoy that type of thing, I don't as much, but when I have and I see the winner, they drive into the, they call it the winner's circle, you know, and everybody uh, kind of, that's the place of the applause and the back slapping and, and of course the cameras are flashing, it's a great place to be when things are going well, it's the, it's the place of victory, isn't it, it's the place where we've had some things come to pass that we were planning, schedules have been met maybe, uh, maybe it's the promotion that, that has come your way or your relationship is going well. It's the place that you enjoy. And if I was to ask you tonight, how often would you like to be in that place? Um, maybe like me, you'd say, as much as possible. It's a great place to be when everything, the victory is happening. And, and uh, if being in the winner's circle means marriage is going well, the kids are healthy, doing well, my job's going well, uh, school's going well, I'm doing well in my studies, retirement's going well, no sickness, that's always a good one, isn't it? I'll be in that, uh, you know, if that's, the, if that's what winning circle is meant, that, that, that I want to be there as much as possible. I would agree. That would be my answer too. Uh, the reality is is you go through life and sometimes you just feel like, not the winner's circle, but sometimes you can feel like you're just standing in the loser's circle. I don't think there's such a thing because there's uh, no one kind of, uh, there's no uh, loser's circle anywhere. But, you know, in a sense, sometimes you think, well, it, I don't feel like I'm winning right now. Uh, I feel like I'm actually losing. Um, and, um, you know, if, if you've ever felt like that, you'd be in good company because I think we all can at times feel like, well, that one didn't go so well. That didn't come off like planned. Uh, that wasn't quite what I was thinking was going to happen. Uh, I didn't expect that sickness, whatever it may be. 
I'm interested because whenever I look at some of the um, heroes of the Bible, if you look at the New Testament particularly, or I mean, there's a lot of heroes in the Old Testament, but some real legendary women and men in the New Testament, and one of them's Paul. And uh, Paul was an apostle, uh, and he, his name was Saul, of course. Originally, God kind of met him on the road to Damascus. Transformation happened, and uh, Saul became Paul. And uh, there was many times Paul talks about this loser circle. He doesn't literally say those words, but he, he faced on many occasions some difficult and trying times. I mean, he was whipped, he was stoned, he was uh, shipwrecked, he was lost at sea for a moment. You know, there was a lot of things. He was bitten by a snake far out. How did he get bit? Who's ever been bitten by a snake? Um, Okay, no one. Well, you know, Paul, and a poisonous snake, that the guy had some difficult times. But there was a moment that he, he, can, he, he shared his testimony or a bit of a story in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 and 10. And it's just from the New International Version, it just says that. And he talks about this thing that happened, this thing was happening in his life. And he says, because of the surpassing great revelation, this is his, this is his summary of his life, in a sense. This is his epitaph. This is what he, he shares. He says, because God gave him some fairly major revelations. Some, you know, he talks about Paul, he, he, he saw a heavenly vision at, state, at some times. He says, because of the great revelations I received, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If you ever read this and thought, that, is, that seems a little bit back to front. Well, you'd be in good company because I've kind of read that sometimes and thought, what is he really saying? You know, what in the world is he saying? But there is some incredible principles and truths for those times in life when you and I don't stand in the winner's circle of life, but we feel like, well, that was just a, that was just a difficult day. No, that was just a difficult situation. And, and you know, it's, and, and I draw comfort that one of the greatest apostles or one of the great heroes of the Bible actually had the same situation and come through it, and we can too. Because he says, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, you've got to understand, that was not Paul saying that particular verse, okay? That's not Paul at all. Um, it was actually Jesus Christ, because in my Bible, that verse in 2 Corinthians is in red, and anything in red is what Jesus said. So verse 9 is actually Jesus saying, Did you know my grace, this is what God said to, to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And you know, those words, my grace is sufficient for you, it's an incredible thought because um, we love that thought, that God's grace, what's God's grace? God's enabling mercy and um, uh, favor to us. He's... Um, his love that's um, unconditional towards us, his extension of his hand of comfort and encouragement, many things, his grace towards us. Um, we need so much. Scott talked tonight about the reality that this Jesus reached out to us and yet we are sinful in our nature and yet he extends his hands of grace and love to bring us out of that. 
What an incredible thing. So Jesus himself says that um, this, this grace, this kind of grace will be sufficient for you in the midst of that loser's circle, so to speak. And then the second part of the, the verse in verse 9 kind of makes us ponder a little bit. says, for my power works best in your what? Your strength? No. My power works best when everything's going well? No, not that it can't, but he says, my power, he says, my ability to help you, my power in you works best in your weakness, your weakness. I just had to consider that. And this is what I come up with. There's a certain kind of power that only gets developed in your life and in your mind when you're standing not in the middle of the winner's circle, but sometimes in the middle of the loser's circle that we feel like, what we feel like, and it can be described. See, it works best. It gets developed in those times when we feel like we're not, we're not facing the victories. We're facing some defeats. Isn't that amazing? But, you know, I've discovered we've got to take the opportunity to embrace our God in the midst of that. Sometimes times that are hard because his grace isn't available until we accept it and receive it. In verse 10, he actually says, I take pleasure, Paul says, I take pleasure in these times because in my weakness, I can find great strength. Whoa. So there's a certain kind of strength, a certain kind of internal fortitude that gets developed in these times. And in verse 9, uh, Paul tells us where this power comes from. It's from Christ. It's from the Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. We see Jesus himself displayed this kind of power and strength in the midst of the defeat well of what we thought was defeat in the midst of a cross in the midst of a death we thought he was gone and buried well they did in the new testament thought jesus is out of the scene now satan himself thought i've finally defeated this jesus christ but in actual fact the reality is is that in his weakness there was incredible strength and power and jesus displayed that so um Paul actually says, I get to the point where I actually have delight in the tough times. Whoa. James actually says that in the New Testament. He says, count it all joy when you face various trials. Because the testing of your faith produces patience and perseverance and strength and character, doesn't it? He says, count it all joy. That seems like an oxymoron. I'm facing some pain, but just smile and get, have some delight in it and count it all joy. It doesn't seem right, does it? It doesn't seem... What do you think? Do you think Paul sometimes has got something missing here? I thought, has he got a screw loose? Is he, is he just over-spiritualizing this whole thing? It, it, the whole issue, and, is he, and he, it's, you know, it just seems to be difficult to grasp. But really, when you come down to it and when you think about it, he, I, 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 have to, I believe Paul when he says, my, his power works best in my weakness. And... Uh, I believe being in the loser's circle has great lessons for us and that Paul's words are relevant for us today. And I want to just give you a couple of thoughts to show you why. Is that cool? Just a couple of thoughts to, show, to tell you why. Because I've discovered personally, sometimes in those times that just feel, we found like we just, we just hasn't gone well, there's a bit of failure, a bit of defeat around us, you discover the certainty of God. The certainty. See, in the good times, I... I don't lean into God as much, but in the difficult times, I've discovered that God is there and we can find out the certainty of our God, the certainty of our God. See, um, see please note the Lord says, my grace, it's my grace and my strength. He talks about these two terms. 
It's my grace and my strength that is abiding and can abide in you. And those words are really talking about a God who's unmovable and unshakable. That's the qualities of God. Unmovable and unshakable. Um, Jeremiah 10.10 says God's the everlasting king. Everlasting. So great women and great men have risen and fallen across our nations. The great men, I don't know, Winston Churchill's of this world and the uh, you know, the Gandhis of this world and, you know, wonderful people, uh, Florence Nightingales and even Old Testament characters like Ruth. and Great men and women have risen and, and, and died. But um, they've, came, they've come, they've conquered, they've died. Our King, Jesus, he was, he still is, and he will continue to be. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Isaiah 48 says that he's the first and he's also the last. The devil has a beginning and the end. God is the beginning and the end. That's good news, isn't it? So this is our, our, our God who's so stable, so unmovable. Um, Matthew 3.6 says, I am the Lord, I do not change. Okay? He does not grow older. God does not grow, uh, gain new power. He doesn't lose the power he's got. He cannot change for the better. I can. We can. He can never increase or decrease. We can. He's not subject to further development. We are. That's our God. That's our God. God is so stable when we can be so unstable. When our emotions are all over the place, when our thoughts are all over the place, when our feelings are all over the place, that's what his strength is, stability for our soul or for our emotions. That's an incredible thought. He's our GPS for life. You know what a GPS? A global positioning satellite. Do you know, do you know that there is right, right here... Is an exact point of a longitude and latitude point here. Now, there's no mark to say that it's 35 degrees north and 73 degrees south. There's nothing on, written on the ground here. But the reality is that is an unmovable mark on the face of this earth, isn't it? That's incredible. It's unmovable. We don't actually see it, but it's there. You're sitting in a longitude and latitudinal point today. The reality is, is that we can, we can move and, and we can change, but those things are unmovable. Our God is like the GPS of life. He's unmovable. You know, you can go out to sea, lose sight of land, and you can, um, on your GPS and your boat, you can push a button and it'll produce a point on your screen that says that's so many, that's so many degrees north and so many degrees south. And you can go away from that point and come back the next day and you can go fishing in the same point, even though there's nothing recognizable. It's not like the same wave will be there the next day. It's not like there will be some seagull saying, this is the point you were yesterday. No, no. We don't know where that point is, but we know because the GPS on our boat radar says, this is the point where you fished yesterday. That's what our God is like. When everything else around us is moving, everything is unrecognizable. God is stable and stable. He's still there on the same point. And that's the God we can trust. And so in those times when we find it difficulty, I want to tell you, God is his grace and strength are available. They're parts of his character, unmovable, unshakable. He's a, he is a definite point and he can be a definite uh, a, a, you know, a strength in our life. Can you grasp that? I was, when I went to school at primary school, certainly not at high school, but in primary school, they used to actually ring, um, give, it, give attention when lunch time was on. They used to have a bell. Who had a bell at school? And, and it was given to the grade seven students to ring that bell and make a real, and everybody could hear it, even though the school was spread out. It was amazing how loud bells are. 
But as I was just contemplating that bell, I, I read a story about bells. If you take a bell and you, you just hang the bell on the frame and you, know, you ring that bell, it'll resonate a certain sound wave. That's what they tell me. It'll resonate a certain sound wave. So you, you just whack it and it'll ring, make a noise, but it'll resonate. If you take another bell about the same size and shape and place it near the bell that you hit, the resonating sound waves will come across and hit this bell. And after a while, they'll actually resonate at the same frequency. That's incredible. Without touching the second bell, it'll be affected by the first. And I want to just tell you that when you draw near to God, when you, you come closer to Him, you'll start to resonate with His heart. His unmovable character, his unshakable uh, uh, ability, his grace and his strength. And that's what I think Paul's talking about. He's saying, you know, I, I, his grace is sufficient for me in my weakness. And I want to resonate with him. I want to be unmovable, unshakable. I tell you, that's what we discover when we stand sometimes in the loser's circle. That he's unmovable. He's a definite point in life. And that he wants to res us to resonate with his character and his attitudes. I love that when I face some of the difficult times. The second thing about God, when I face those sometimes points where I think, well, didn't do so well there, is that it clarifies what's of ultimate importance. You know, when you come through, you, th you think, oh, well, that didn't go well. But, you know, what's really important here? It really clarifies. See, I talk to people who go through some tough times. I, I do that a little bit <laughs> in my opportunity to live life and work as a pastor and they people start to come talk to me and they say you know what I say I have different values um, and they they see life a little bit different after they come through those times and, and and you come and I can come away myself sometimes just seeing a little bit of a clearer perspective on what is really important in life and, and in those times the most important things in life sometimes when everything seems to get stripped back you know you just Everything that you thought was good isn't so good. And, and it's like the personal relationship we have with God that starts to become more important. And maybe it's that relationship you have with people that becomes more important and, and with family members. And, and you start to give more emphasis because you realize that the difficulty you come through has given you more clarity of what's really important in life. Um, just this afternoon, I was just, I was just, I've been busy, busy, busy this week. And I just paused for a moment. I made several phone calls. My, my precious sister at the moment, she's my second. She's older than me by um, eight years. And um, as some of you know, she just was diagnosed less than the, uh, just over a month ago with um, breast cancer. And she had a double mastectomy within a week because it was so aggressive. It was grade three. You can't get any high, apparently. But grade three breast cancer. And, and uh, she spent a month on her. Now she just got home this past week. And... Um, and she also has multiple cirrhosis, MS. She's, been, she's had that for years. She also has um, rheumatoid... Um, what do you call that? That's it, yeah. Um, what that is. And so she has all these little things happening to her body. But, you know, I spoke to her husband, Laurie, who's, who you know, is my, obviously my brother-in-law and I've been friends with for decades. And, and he kind of outlined all this. And I just took the time because I just felt, you know, sometimes the reality is when everything's stripped back, what's the most important things in life? It's just sometimes just to give a phone, to make a phone call to a person who, you know, who's going through, sometimes going through something that's not good, you know. It was so refreshing just to, to kind of uh, speak with him and him to say, you know, no, you know, he said, um, she's doing pretty well. I'm thinking, far out. She's had so much happen to her. 
And, and at the same time, he said, you wouldn't believe it, but they found a little melanoma on her nose and they cut it out at the same time they were doing the operation. I'm thinking, oh, far out. And he said, it only took six stitches. I said, well, you know, when you've got 75 in your chest, what's the difference having another six? You know, I'm thinking, far out. The people go through stuff. And it just kind of gave me some clarity as I just paused from the busyness of life and for a moment sat in God's presence and just that thought, why don't you ring your brother-in-law and your sister and it kind of gives you clarity what's really important, hey? When we face sometimes the, we just sit and reflect and we think about what's really important. And I, and I rang my mum as well, you know, because she's 83 now. And, and um, the good thing about mum I found, I remembered, is, um, you know, she, she, uh, she forgets when we ring her. Um, and so if I miss a week, she doesn't know whether I rang her yesterday or what. So it does not matter, you know. She just, every time I ring her, it's just like, oh, it's great to hear you. Even though I rang her just two days ago. Oh, it's been, you know, I think, well, that's the beauty of getting old, isn't it? <laughs> just forgetting about what things. Every day is a new day. <laughs> and it's just pausing sometimes and reflecting when you just go through some difficult, what's really important in life. Come along a way a lot clearer sometimes. Tough times when you go through stuff has a way of grounding you and, and just helping you to focus on what's important. And because God's there. And I, and I can say that the first clarity of understanding that we need when we face some difficult times is this. In verse 8 of James chapter 4, it says, Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Uh, and I think that's what needs to be our go-to. Uh, when we face the difficulties and we feel like we're standing in the loser's circle, to draw near. And it says draw near to him first. Sometimes we stand at a distance and say, well, God, I'm, I'm waiting for you. Or God says, yeah, I'm waiting for you. And we just need to draw near to him. And he says, hey, you know, I'll take some really big steps towards you if you do that because I'm looking for your heart response to me. I'm not going to force my way into your life. I'm just going to I'm invite you. I'll knock on the door, but you've got to open the door and invite me in. And and, you know, he's waiting for us just to submit our lives to him. There was an age-old song that uh, an actor called Frank Sinatra used to sing. He was in several movies at the time. He was a bit of a movie star. And he sang a song that was, a, a song that was applauded all over the world. And it, and it was a song that said, I did it my way. Some of you may remember that song. But to be honest, it does not really express truth. It doesn't express truth. Doing things your way, I've discovered, or doing it my way can lead to such disaster. <laughs> but submission and surrender to him and our Heavenly Father that um, brings um, uh, it's just an opportunity. He helps us cope with the emotions of anger and disappointment and, and shame and guilt and uh, the disappointments of life. And, um, and, and I don't need to do it my way, I just need to submit to his way. I've discovered this. God is of ultimate importance in you coming through what you're going through. He's of ultimate importance. And it's not a time to run from God where we feel like we're standing in the bit of the loser's circle. It's a time to run into him, continually uh, doing that. And, um, and what's being tested in your life is your security. What are you secure in? What are the things? Is it your things uh, the things you have this, in this world, or is it your position, or is it yourself? Because if it is, it won't stand up to the rigorous test 
of standing in that circle that feels like it's the loser's circle. It won't stand up to it. And I've found that if I continue to lean upon any stuff, any stuff of the world that's temporary, uh, anything that's of selfish gain, then I'll not last when under pressure, if my dependence is not on Jesus Christ and I'm submitted to him. And I can start to slide down that slippery slope of hopelessness. And it just doesn't do us any good. It's just not a good way to go. Paul, do you know Paul himself, before he had that, that encounter with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, he was Saul at that time. He changed his, God changed his name to Paul. But he was a very learned man. It says in Acts 26, from his youth, he was a part of a stricter sect, a Pharisaic sect. Um, and it says Paul had knowledge beyond his years. He was a very learned young. He was zealous. He was confident. In Galatians 1.14, it says he held the traditions of his father. And he was passionate about his belief system. Passionate. And Paul gives us his great speech in Philippians chapter 3 in the New Testament. And he says, you know what? All of those things that I had, all that learning, all that understanding, all that zealousness and passion for what I believed in. He says, I can't. He, he really put it in very common terms. He put it in very ordinary terms. He says, you know, I count it all dung. <laughs> How would you be saying all that you've learned, all the knowledge, all the wisdom in your life, I count it as dung that I may gain Christ. Now, he's not saying knowledge is not important. But he's just saying, all the things I gained, I've counted as a loss for Christ. And what he's really saying, is not my driving motivation anymore. I'm not saying don't study. <laughs> I'm not saying don't learn. In actual fact, we're called to study God's word and understand his word. But the knowledge was of no help to him in his present situation. And it was not his driving motivation. It was to know Christ and to put Christ first. And when, when we as people make this world's gains our focus and not Christ, we lose out big time. If he's the foundation, everything else makes so much more sense. Can I have the musicians back tonight? That'd be great. If you guys could come. Paul's conclusion in all of this, in all his life, was this. In my weakness, I have his strength. That's, if it was anything, if Paul wanted to put something on his grave... And we don't, you know, they say they know where Paul's grave is and where his bones are buried, but I'm not quite sure. It doesn't really matter, to be honest. I don't think Paul cares about it all because he's enjoying the riches of heaven for the last several centuries anyway. But if he was to have something on his gravestone, I think this would be Paul's, uh, this would be what he, he would be. Now, he said this, in my weakness, I knew his strength. And tonight I want to ask you that question. In your times, not when you're in the winner's circle, but when sometimes you just feel like you're standing in the times that it's just it's not it's not it's not going so well, can you declare and testify? I know His strength. I know His strength. His power in me through the Holy Spirit. My grace is sufficient for you, He said. This is what Jesus says. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So you're feeling a bit weak tonight. I've got good news for you. When we call upon him, we can have incredible strength. I want to be honest with you. Sometimes I come to Sunday and I just, <clears throat> I can feel weak. I've had a big week. And yet I come and I stand here in the front and I start to raise my hands and lift my voice to God. And this incredible strength and just this, 
incredible passion, incredible touch of his presence in my life comes in my life. And I get up here and then I can share. But you know, it's, it's, I just have to acknowledge all the time, it's him in me and not just me in me, it's him. And we draw strength from that and we're able to go forward. And you think, God, that's your grace. That's just your touch, hey. That's just your anointing. That's just your, your mercy to me. Because when I acknowledge him, he says, I'm there. My strength is available for your weakness. And it's a, it's a humbling thing, isn't it? To think that we're not a self-made person. We can be a God-made person. We need to be that. He's an unmovable, unshakable force. Can we stand tonight? And we're going to sing this song for a moment and worship as we close.